and welcome to episode 108 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox with me in Washington, D.C., Ben Olson. How's it going, Ben? It's going good. You uh, get any kind of a break after the September LSAT or are you uh, busy as you ever were? Uh, no, it's definitely a little bit of a break. Uh, it's still <laughs> picking back up, though, again, pretty quickly just because, you know, December's right around the corner. Yeah, well, the December test is early this year, too, so um, people are uh, it's smart to get on it right now. Um, got Thanksgiving in there as well. So what do we have, 10 weeks or something like that? Yeah. Can that be right? Yeah. yeah. 10 weeks and there's Thanksgiving in between, so a couple months. Um, yeah, if, if people are starting right now, they have have a decent chance to get ready in time for the, for the December test. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, what did you? Uh, what's the report on the on the test overall? The September twenty seventeen test. Well, uh, what I keep hearing is that the games were easy, and that the reading comp, or at least one of the passages, was hard, and that LR was pretty normal. Is that what you're hearing? Um, yeah, I'm hearing some. Of course, people always think it was weird, um, but yeah, the games. It does sound like the games, just like June. I think the games in June were easy, and the games in September were easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people were happy about that. There was the one reading comprehension passage, something about judicial candor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, ten different people probably complained to me about that one passage. I think it's there's like a herd mentality, right? Because people go online and they read about it. And then they think, oh, everybody's panicking about the judicial candor. So then they start panicking about the judicial candor. Yeah. Um, I did have a couple of students who said that it was a, it was a difficult read. I guess it was comparative reading, right? Mm-hmm. And that it was difficult to read the passages and then the, maybe the first couple of questions. But then they said that actually it was easy once they sort of grinded through uh, the first couple of questions. So hmm. I think even that was manageable, although people always get hysterical and think that it's a, you know, totally new and different yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thing. Um, so yeah, seems like, uh, September was due. I, I did get a few reports from people who thought they did well. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think sounds like it was a pretty fair test. Yeah. But lots of people retaking as always. Um, today on the show, we have a bunch of listener mail. We have, uh, we're going to look at some of our our own iTunes reviews, and, and oh, I have a PSA about binding deferrals. Have did, have you ever have you ever heard about this before, Ben? No, this is the okay. first time. So yeah, yeah. So um, a former student of mine took uh, she took my class. I don't know. It was six months or eight months ago, and she applied to Hastings. She had a okay, but not great LSAT score. And she applied to Hastings, got in. This is UC Hastings, my alma mater uh, in San Francisco. She uh, applied to Hastings. She got in. She decided to defer because she wasn't sure. I don't know, whatever. She deferred for whatever reason. And then now she's realizing, oh, you know, maybe I don't want to go to Hastings And she's looking at the agreement and the agreement says something about how she is agreeing that she will not apply to any other law schools, uh, next cycle. Yeah. As part of her binding 
it's a bind. So I never even knew this was a thing, but apparently it's a binding deferral. To me, it's just so gross, but uh, they're, you know, they're trying to get their hooks into you however they can. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. Who knows whether this is enforceable? Who knows whether they will enforce it if she asks them? Uh, Basically, you know, she's going to ask them, tell them that her plans have changed and maybe she doesn't want to go to law school in San Francisco or doesn't want to go to Hastings specifically and uh, to see if they will release her from this agreement. But um, I have seen them not release people from a binding early decision before. Mm -hmm. I've told that horror story, right, of the student who applied binding to Hastings for some reason, but then also got admitted to Berkeley. Okay. Did wow. you hear? You haven't heard this no, story? No, I haven't heard that one. That's quite a difference. Oh, it's devastating. I don't know why she applied binding to Hastings. You know, this was this was years ago, and and she was a um, a strong candidate, and she panicked and thought she wasn't going to get in anywhere, so she applied binding to Hastings, and then gets in to Berkeley, hmm. and she she called me. You know, what do I do? And I said, well, I mean, I think you have to act, you have to talk to Hastings. Yeah. You signed this agreement with Hastings. I think you need to call Hastings and ask them politely, you know, hey, I got into Berkeley. Um, really sorry about this, but, you know, I'd really rather go to Berkeley. And so, <laughs> I don't know how no she did No explanation needed. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what, do you think I'm an idiot? Of course I'm going to go to Berkeley. And she so she like politely asked them and i'm i'm hearing all this from her right i wasn't there but according yeah. to her and i have no reason to doubt her uh they acted she asked them like professionally you know hey can i get out of this agreement and they acted like it was a like a personal insult mm. to them that mm-hmm. she would even ask that it was that it was so unprofessional of her to even ask that question and you know is this really going to be how you're going to start your legal career? That that was the kind Ooh. of tone they took with Ooh. her. Yeah. I would accept um, a no, <laughs> but that sounds a little much. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I mean, that was devastating. So she actually had to call Berkeley and withdraw from, you know, withdraw her application. Hey, sorry, uh, I, I've got this... Uh, obligation that I have to fulfill across the bay, go to your vastly inferior neighboring school. And um, long story short, I mean, there's a happy ending, which is she kicked ass in her first year at Hastings and ended up transferring to Berkeley anyway. Hmm. Interesting. That's a great solution. Well, yeah, that's, that's nice. I mean, if you can pull that off, but uh, you know, that's harder than it looks. Oh, sure. But it's sort of uh, like... (laughs) Uh, she kept her obligations and got what she wanted, which is pretty cool. I was just wondering what they would do if if she said no. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what would Berkeley do? They've accepted her. Didn't they Didn't they know that she They probably didn't early? even know. No, I, I, I thought I'm that guessing. the schools do know, like, which – like, if you've applied oh. early decision and – been accepted i don't know i I thought that's kind of how the enforcement mechanism works like if you don't go there the other schools are kind of gonna shun you as well you know oh i didn't know that i i I had no idea that there was some sort of like a clearinghouse or whatever but i mean i assume that the deans talk to each other especially of like you know schools that are in each other's backyard 
Yeah. You got to assume that they have some sort of communication going on, uh, slash collusion <laughs> going on. Yeah. But, um, anyway, be careful about what kind of agreements you're signing. You got to realize that you're doing business with a bunch of sharks here. And, um, I don't know if sharks is the right term. Really? <laughs> More like s- snake. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, there, I, I don't know. I mean, part of it is that I, I, and this just comes from my, my perception of law schools, and it could be totally inaccurate, but I kind of feel like they're full of Luddites as well, right? So I just don't feel like you can be a shark and a Luddite at the same time. That's true. I mean, they are pretty slow moving. Um, yeah, that, that, that's true. They, they don't do anything quickly, but they do uh, take every advantage they possibly can. You know, they're just these, especially if you're going to sign something. Oh yeah, if, I mean that's, that's gonna, their area of expertise, right? Like legal exactly. agreements. <laughs> right, you're doing business with a bunch of lawyers. Lawyers are going to try to get every possible advantage. Basically, don't sign anything. Don't give them any money, and don't sign anything. <laughs> and that's that. That's what I'm. That's my. Uh, well, we've still got the rebuttable presumption from from last week, right? which is just please don't pay. Figure out ways not to pay because they are looking to take your money. Um, So, yeah, we can give an update. Uh, Hopefully she will uh, be released from this obligation to Hastings. Maybe she'll just end up deciding not to go to law school at all, which would also be fine. Um, But, God, I hope she doesn't end up getting uh, forced to go to a law school she doesn't want to go to. I I can't even believe they would have you sign that agreement, to be honest. That's so crazy. Like, oh, yes, we admitted you this year. But, uh, yes, we will allow you to defer to next year. But you have to promise that you won't apply to any other law school. Really? Man, if they enforce that on her, that's pretty devastating. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not super surprised that they had her sign that. I mean, I'm not saying it's good. I just, I think that they're just trying to get or leverage whatever they can, you know, when. Get their hooks into her. Yeah. yeah. Just, just get them, get, get them, get, get people committed, get them to pay something, just get them to where they think they can't, you know, even if it's totally not enforceable, yeah. just have her sign a thing and then kind of hope, hope that she'll think it's enforceable, even if it's not. That's what I'm wondering about this, because what I'm, what I'm confused about is if she says no, like in your previous story, if, if the, if the, your student had said no, what would have been the consequences? You know, that, that's why I'm thinking that the school somehow worked together because what are they going to do? Um, sue her for damages? Like, and what are the damages that are the first year tuition or something? Like, I'm I'm not exactly, I'm confused at what would happen, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm guessing that it's just a, a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, it seems like schools, it's more right? psychological. Like, if you, if you believe <laughs> what you signed has some ominous consequence, but you don't necessarily know what that is, yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter because you believe it and so you act on it. And maybe that's why they right. had that sort of like <laughs> lecture-ish 
style well, response. Like this is how lawyers, you're going to start it out, you know? Like, <laughs> lawyers are doing that type of shady bullshit all the time, right? I mean, there's a big test prep company that shall remain nameless mm-hmm. that goes around talking to pre-law organizations and getting pre-law organizations to sign agreements yeah. that say in exchange for some shitty discount in exchange for a, you know, we'll give you $500 off our $2,000 class. Yeah. And, and in exchange for this shitty discount to our overpriced class, you then agree not to have any other LSAT prep companies come and speak to your student organization. Yeah. I, I've had people tell me that they can't have me come do a free class on campus. They'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. They can't. They signed, they signed an agreement. Yeah. And the agreement says that, oh, no, we can only have this test prep company come and talk to our students because in, in consideration, they gave us this discount off of their classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how shitty is that deal? Yeah. Wow. So now you can't have any other, no other teachers can come and talk to your students. Uh, this That seems like something that would be pretty clearly not enforceable. I mean, there, what are they going to do? They're going to sue the pre-law society? <laughs> yeah, what are <laughs> they going to get out of it? <laughs> well, I guess what they re- their leverage is they just revoke the, uh, the discount. But, like, it seems uh, like it would be pretty easy to work around it. Not that my goal in life is to <laughs> work around agreements, but, um, right, you – you have someone in the society have an informal gathering of friends, right? How do you distinguish between a formal official yeah. society gathering and sure. a bunch of people on a group text saying, hey, let's go hang out at room 230 in the uh, right, Lamar building right. and um, right, but then treats. <laughs> okay, but you can't put up flyers. You can't put an announcement in the pre-law newsletter. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't make it one of your official events, which they, you know, they, they do leverage those official events. Anyway, um, okay. So <laughs> our audience is uh, lawyers or wannabe lawyers. Um they should stop uh, signing these stupid agreements. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, what else we got on the agenda for today, Ben? I don't know, but I, I did want to have a little side note here. We were talking about the September uh, 2000, or sorry, December 2017 test that's coming up pretty soon. And it just made me think I was uh, updating my sort of calendar for the upcoming tests and I had to put in the test dates and I was like, okay, so we got February, 2018. We got June, 2018. We got September, 2018. This is all pretty normal. And that's like November, 2018. It just kind of hit me. I was like, whoa, that's weird. I think people are even going to look at that and be like, does this person know what they're talking about? (laughs) Right. There's no such thing as a November test. And then we have January, 2019. Um, So yeah, most people won't care about those uh, I guess who are listening now, but eventually, uh, that's kind of interesting change. I don't know, just a random thought. It's still four tests in 2018, by yeah. the way. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> they did accelerate the uh, calendar a little bit, but uh, it's four uh, four tests in 2018, and then it's going to be six in 2019. This At least that's how, the plan, right? Yeah, this is how fast the the LSAT world changes. It's crazy. Uh, glacial, I believe, is a apt description that is yeah that's a great that's a great term yeah 
Um, you want to look at some of these iTunes reviews? Yeah. So uh, about a week ago, I was just, I don't know why I was searching for our podcast in iTunes. Oh, I think it was when we had that problem where it was only displaying like 80 of the episodes or something. And uh-huh. we figured out how to make it so it displays all of them. Yes. But in any case, I was like, oh, what's up with the reviews? And I was like, wow, we have a hundred and some odd reviews. Like the last time I checked, there weren't that many. So then I started just reading them. I was curious what people are saying. And some of these are pretty funny. So here's one by Elsat Killa. And the, the name, <laughs> this is on July 26th. If anyone wants to look it up, it says Awesome Podcast for Elsat Preppers. That's the title. And uh, this is what Elsat Killa says. Uh, Five stars isn't nearly enough for this podcast. This is an amazing resource for anyone who is studying for the Lsat and or applying to law school. Um, Sorry, random side note. I appreciate this review, but I really hate the phrase and or. (laughs) Ben and Nathan have turned a test I dreaded into something I look forward to studying and mastering. Their podcast is hilarious and informative and a great listen for commutes or whenever you have downtime from studying, exclamation point. I honestly think that the LSAT made a big impact on how I prepped this LSAT, hmm, this, this podcast, podcast. Yeah. yeah, and improved on the test, exclamation point. I recommend this podcast all the time in real life to friends and colleagues studying for the test, so it's abs- about time I recommend it to those strangers out there too. Listen to this podcast, all caps. Especially as a self-studier, too cheap for online or in-person classes or tutoring, finding this podcast was a game changer for my LSAT studying, specifically in telling me how to actually prepare for this test, what to do, what not to do, and most importantly, how. So this is nice. Um, I don't mean to read too much of this, but it goes on. Uh, I felt like I got some of the key benefits of taking a class with true LSAT experts without having to shell out thousands of dollars. Thank you so much, Ben and Nathan. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) Also, Nathan and Ben have some awesome study materials as well. Exclamation point. I worked with Ben's RC Demon, a compilation of some of the hardest RC passages in Nathan's LR Encyclopedia and Logic Games Playbook, both available on Amazon. So... Um, I can't remember. Maybe it was just the name. <laughs> this is a very uh, nice review, so thank you very much, Elsat Killa. But that was funny. Then there was this other one. Um, where'd it go? Oh, yeah, here. This is uh, the title of this one is Awesome. And this guy says, these guys are great, entertaining, interesting, smart. I don't know why they don't like Trump. But oh well, they are still cool guys despite being extremely confused about politics. They both have they have helped me tremendously on law on law school journey. Thank you both. Um, I just thought that was funny. I, I <laughs> even if you like Trump, I think or hope that you could see why some people might not. Maybe right? I but. don't know. People are all the way on the Kool Aid, man. <laughs> people. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I don't mind saying why I don't like Trump. I, I'll say two things about why I don't like Trump. One, he's an asshole. Yeah. I just, his demeanor, he's just a dick. He's a dick. I don't want a dick to be the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. He's not a nice person. It's clear that he's mm-hmm. not a nice person. Mm-hmm. And two, related, the other reason why I don't like him is because 
he seems like an idiot. I hate the way he speaks. I hate the way he writes. I hate everything about him. He's we have an we have a dumb asshole as the president of the United States. That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> that, that's not on your checklist for uh, leader of the free world. <laughs> no, neither of those things are what I would be looking for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, smart asshole would be an improvement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, uh, dumb nice guy would be an improvement. Yeah, but dumb asshole is like fucking the worst. Why? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, it's very difficult for me to understand how anybody can cannot see that. But um, it, it has nothing to do really with politics. Yeah. You know, I'm not. It's not a political thing. It's that I enjoy having a president who I believe I could actually respect them their, you know, their humanity and their intellect. Yeah. And I, I do not feel that way about Donald Trump. I hear you. Okay. So I would, I will say that, um, I, I, I agree with that, uh, assessment a hundred percent. So I am not saying what I'm about to say because I like Donald Trump. Um, but I will say in all honesty, I do like the fact that his, presidency i won't even necessarily attribute this to him um because i don't know if he's doing this purposely or if it's just the result of stupidity like i can't tell whether half of what he does is like ingenious or just stupid and so i think i'm just going to assume that it's stupid but what i do like and i'm I'm open to push back on this but i do like the fact that although most of what he says is dumb, that he does say things that challenge the conventional wisdom. And it seems like 10% of the time he's on to something. And I think that's valuable in the sense that people like to get into a certain way of thinking, right, about whatever it is. And it's just the conventional way of thinking about things. And so then everybody's on board, and even if it's not true, it doesn't matter because that's just what people all believe, and they, they don't accept dissent on that. And he says so many things that are outlandish that um, it's hard to know whether the things that he is occasionally right about was just because he just got lucky. And that's what I think happens. But in any case, I do think it's valuable. Like I think his presidency has raised questions about things that Washington has for decades just taken as gospel. And so I find that valuable. That doesn't mean I think that that outweighs the negatives by any ways. But like when I'm being honest with myself, I'm like, okay, I think this like turmoil can have some value. So. Yeah, I. That's a very hard point to sell anybody, but you can sell me that point, Ben. I mean, I'm I'm willing to accept that there are good and bad, that there's good and bad, you know, in mm-hmm. basically everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're you're right. Hey, it's shaking things up, absolutely. Um, hopefully, doesn't start World War Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like accidentally start World War Three. Yeah. He's calling Kim Jong Un Rocket Man. Yeah. It, well, fucking shut up. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Stop. Listen, name calling? Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as the head of state, when we're talking about nuclear war, 
Um, Let's but err. No, I, what's that? Err on the side of caution with a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you think he can't do anything really to, to hurt us, which, you know, maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. Still, wh- why are you going to taunt a crazy person? And you make us look like you, you just make us look so terrible in the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have I have friends all over the place and the the world is not thrilled about our current situation. We look like idiots to them. Yeah. Because our president is an idiot. But yeah, I mean, it to me it's it's I also understand that it's not like 100% bad. It mm-hmm. can be bad on balance even though there are good things, you know, that can come of it. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, if we have not been reduced to rubble. Yeah. Um Anyway, thank you to everyone for uh, all of your reviews. Even uh, this review by D20 Chick, August 20th of 2014. This is one of the first reviews we got. Yeah. It's a one-star review. It says, waste of time. <laughs> and then it says, that's the, that's the subject, waste of time, one star. And then it says, the hosts spend most of their time generalizing about students, speculating about things they admit they have no knowledge of, and socializing. A tiny fraction of time spent is actually discussing test strategy. Um, I can't disagree with that review entirely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's exactly why people listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take the good and the bad. We, uh, we appreciate your, um, your honest feedback. So, yeah, just go to iTunes and uh, drop us a review whenever you get a chance. Yeah. We really appreciate it. We do not uh, have a marketing budget. We do not advertise the show, as you guys know. So um, we rely on you to help us to spread the word. Uh, okay, what do you think? Back to the agenda? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Um, ooh, you put this on here. 25% of law schools say they plan to accept the GRE? That's right. So... Um Kaplan, for all its ills, uh, has conveniently taken the time to interview admissions officials from 128 law schools. Okay. And 25% of them now say that they're going to uh, accept the GRE or they plan to. And that's a huge shift apparently from last year. Only 14% said they were thinking of accepting the GRE. Now 25% are saying they're planning on it. So... Um, it seems like the tide is shifting. Uh, so there's still 45% who say that they will not accept the GRE, but I feel like it's just a matter of warming up to it. I mean, if a critical (laughs) percentage of schools end up accepting it, you become the, the school that's hard to get into. And that's the last thing you want to be in an environment where admissions are down. So uh, I could see some schools holding out in an effort to maybe appear like to distinguish themselves, like we don't accept right. that garbage. So maybe there'll right. there'll be some holdouts. But in any case, um, the, the 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 tides are shifting. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that there's going to be increasing pressure on those other seventy five percent of schools. Um, I mean, with the horrible LSAT scores that a lot of these schools accept. Mm-hmm. They can't really honestly be like, oh, we think the LSAT is a better gauge of 
quality of applicant. We want to yeah. make sure that we have high quality applicants. Like when they're, meanwhile, they're admitting people that have a 145 LSAT score. Yeah. That's not, you can't say both of those things with a straight face. I mean, you could be dumb and say both those things with a straight face, but odds are you're just, you know, you're lying. I, I don't know. I, it seems to me like they're just going to all open up the doors for the GRE. Yeah. And uh, here's some quotes, and they're not super surprising, but these are quotes from some of the people who responded to the survey. These are law school admission officials. They said, we plan to do this, except the GRE, in part because Harvard is doing it. When they do things, people tend to fall in line, thinking that it's right. So, I mean, I think that's kind of what we talked about earlier. But that, we, we made that prediction the second it happened. Yeah. I mean, that's just intuitively pretty obvious <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do things that Harvard does? Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. Just PSA reminder, there is math on the GRE. So yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to be out of work anytime soon. Cool. Uh, okay. Here. Oh, yeah. I got this email. I threw it at the top of the agenda because it's an interesting update um, from the September LSAT. Hi, Nathan. I've been using your prep books and listening to the Thinking LSAT podcast religiously, and I thought you'd like to know that here in Richmond, Virginia, there's an illegal white supremacist rally scheduled for this morning at our Confederate monuments. Because of this, my testing center at VCU had to completely shut down, and the LSAT and the GRE, which was supposed to be here today, are canceled. Yikes. None of us were given any hands up, and there were plenty of tears shed when we all showed up with our gallon-sized plastic bags ready to go. So far, the LSAC has only said they're aware of what happened, and they will be emailing us with options. Just wanted to keep you in the loop. Sincerely, Caitlin, enraged student. Um, did you hear anything about that, Ben? That's close to you. Or yeah. Closer to yeah. You. Uh, yeah, Richmond is a couple hours south of here. Um, no. I did not hear about this until I saw this email yeah. uh, that you posted. It, most people around this area actually end up taking it closer than Richmond just because it's a decent drive, but that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. Bummer that you're having white supremacist rallies, for one thing, and yeah. uh, bummer that you get your LSAT canceled. Well, I that's wonder why they canceled of, the else. I mean, what, is a rally going to come into the building? I don't too loud, it. probably outside. Yeah, dangerous, I guess. <laughs> but well, they're already there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be within you know miles and miles of that sort of a thing happening. So yeah, you could also it could be your counter protest. You're right. Like no matter, I'm going to law school. Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to read this next one? Sure, Ben and Nathan. I wanted to share my LSAT experience with you. I think your listeners will get a kick out of them. Cool. First, I want to thank you both for the amazing show. Sure, thanks. I went into the test with the mindset that my worst section, RC, would probably be the first section. It was. Instead of being upset, thrown off, I actually laughed to myself because I was expecting it. I think that it helped to put me at ease during the whole section. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Think the worst. During my second section, LR, I felt something scratching my foot. I looked down, and there is a giant cockroach on my shoe. Ugh. Yuck. It was literally the biggest cockroach that I have ever seen. I kicked it off my foot, and it landed on its back about two feet away from me. 
I could see it flailing around, trying to flip itself back over for the remainder of the section. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, LR is my strongest section, and I d- it didn't distract me too much. A proctor came by and picked it up between sections. Wow. I f- for sure would have just thought the proctor would not know about it or care or do anything. But Wow. The guy sitting next to me brought one pencil with- and a sharpener. He sharpened his pencil three to four times per section and in between every section. <laughs> That's weird, actually, because I'd rather have a slightly dull pencil because it's easier to bubble yeah, in the bubble bubbles. sheet. Yeah, totally. Uh, anyways, this person's writing too much. It wasn't distracting to me, but I thought it was funny. I was just thinking, what could you possibly doing over there to cause you to need to sharpen your pencil roughly 25 <laughs> times during one test? Yeah. Thanks again for the great show. I think I did well. Exclamation point, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. That's uh, nice. You did it right. You didn't even let the cockroach mess with you. I've never heard that one before. No, that's a new one for me. Uh, I have. I had a student who took it in London, and there was a mouse. Yeah, it was in some old like castle-y kind of a building. There was a mouse in there, but a cockroach. I don't like that. Yeah. Especially not a cockroach on your foot. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Aaron Aaron did really well. I love that uh, planning on the worst order of whatever sections. You know, like if you hate RC, you need to plan on section one and section two both being RC. Mm-hmm. Or you need to plan on section four and five both being RC. You know, whatever it is that you think, oh, no, I hope it doesn't work out that way. That's the way you need to plan on it being yeah, and be pleasantly surprised if it's not. But if it is, then you're you're geared up for it already. Yeah, and yeah, I like this doing doing logical reasoning while the cockroach is flailing around on its back nearby. That's that's some good focus. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's see. This one was to you, but I'll read it anyways. Okay. Um, hey Ben, just wanted to give you a quick update on the test yesterday. My test started with what I thought was a pretty easy LR section. I only had to guess on the last question and felt pretty confident on the rest. My next section was the LG. It felt like the easiest LG ever. No tricky games like we've seen in recent tests, just straightforward games. I was able to make all the inferences beforehand and breeze through the questions. I finished early and had time to look over the last two games. Uh, sorry, I just I highlighted that because I actually heard that a couple times. A I did lot too. of people finishing early, having time to go back. One person went back and did all four games over again. I mean, my gut reaction was like, whoa, <laughs> I think you're going too fast through those first yeah. four games. But at the same time, uh, he said, no, the games were just extraordinarily easy. So I was like, wow, okay, strange. Yeah, sometimes they're easy. Easy games are easy. Um my next LR section was pretty difficult. I had to guess on the last three, but I am fairly certain this was my experimental. Okay. After the break, I had an average LR section. I had to guess on the last two. There were definitely a couple questions that were difficult, but no more difficult than anything I've seen. Finally, RC. Everything was fine until I hit the judge's passage, which I'm sure you've heard about. Yep, judicial candor. Can't wait to read it. Mm-hmm. I did my best on that passage, and why? while I felt confident about the last passage, I didn't have time to finish the last three questions. All in all, I didn't feel too surprised by anything and am anxious for Gray Day. Thanks for all your help, Mitch. Yeah, so have you heard of uh, this term, Gray Day? Yeah, I wish people wouldn't say it. I don't like it. Yeah. 
Uh, it annoys me. I don't know. It I, it just annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. It, so Gray Day is the day that scores come out. Yes. And it's there's some weird thing that happens on the back end of the LSAC website when you sit there and refresh and refresh and refresh and refresh your account waiting for your score. There's like the something turns gray yeah. on your profile right before scores come out. Exactly. So if you log in and you see your test, you'll see um, all the documents that are associated with your test. And right now, if you go in there, it's green. But for some strange reason, I don't know why this is not instantaneous, but when your scores are about to be released, all those links turn gray, which you cannot click. (laughs) And then once your score is released and available in your site, they become clickable again and they're no longer gray. So it's this, the day that they turn gray is the day that you're almost certainly going to get your scores and so that's why people call it gray day if you're ever curious but um the major downside to gray day is that uh it's better just to wait until you get your email instead of going yeah. and refreshing the page a thousand times so you um, don't get I'd, your score any faster if nope. you re- click and re-click and refresh and refresh it's watching the pot the pot oh. is going to boil at the same time anyway Sounds awful. And plus, when they send you the email, you're going to get your score in that email. So everything is taken for you, for taken care of for you. I would just call it email day if you want to call it something. <laughs> you could call it um, the day that the scores come out because that's yeah. what it is. And <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I get annoyed because I see I, I see people all the time, like on Twitter and stuff. I don't. I guess it's fun. I don't want to be a hater. I guess it's fun for people. But people speculating about what day the scores are going to come out and making predictions and constantly updating and oh, tweeting. Yeah. About it. It's like, shut up. I don't care. It, the scores will come out when they come out. There's it's, it's not, it doesn't matter. I get it that everybody's anxious to get their score, Yeah, but let's just everyone. It's like, everybody's just building up the anxiety as much as they possibly can. And Hey, get, get on with life. You got, you got shit to work on. Do yeah. your, do your work either. You know, if you think you're retaking in December, you should be studying. You should not be refreshing your LSAC account. Yeah. And if you think you did well, you should be getting your applications finalized because when those scores come out, you want to send. Yeah. Um, you don't need to be uh, anxiously waiting for for a so-called gray day. I, I'm yeah. going to not say that any, anymore. I, I don't like that we said it that many times. <laughs> gray day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. No, oh, this so is I wanted to include this, Mitch, and I appreciate it because uh, I just wanted – to tell people about it because uh, some yeah, people are going to yeah. hear it and now they know about it and I, why you also should not follow through the spirit of Gray Day. You should just wait for the email. So You should definitely just wait for the email and not be too anxious. Um, and yeah, I'm not trying to, to bust on Mitch too much, but um, I do wish people would quit tweeting about it. Um, you can also add as a message to anyone in the Massachusetts area that Brandeis University is an awesome testing center. The proctors were extremely organized, made no noise, kept time well, and every person got a large table in a ballroom that blocked outside noise. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, good update. Okay, thanks, Mitch. All right. Yeah. Next one? You got yeah, it? Yeah, sure. So the next one is from Nick. Nick says, just a few observations from Tennessee. Sweet. Exclamation point. Yeah. 
Thanks. <laughs> no. So these are his uh, his observations. Yes. No. Placing your Apple Watch on an analog clock face does not make it an analog watch. Oh my god! Around eight people. Seriously, that <laughs> that is. I wonder if those people even know like what what was it like to have an actual analog watch? Maybe they think that's like a setting. They're like, oh, oh, I've seen that before. It's an analog setting. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. The whole point of not having anything digital is that yeah. one. <laughs> LSAC is full of Luddites, uh, as is the legal profession that requires people to submit briefs as PDFs and then print them out. Yeah, <laughs> print them out at the courthouse anyways. Anyway, so sorry. That's just like total random tangent. But also because they don't want you cheating or somehow coordinating with your friend, which you can obviously do um, on yeah. analog wa- uh, sorry, not on an analog watch, on an Apple watch more than you can do so on even a digital watch, which they don't. Oh like. yeah. So the Apple watch has haptics. Like you could use, I'm sure you could use like what the Morse heck code is haptics. I don't know what that is. Oh, um, haptics is like little vibrations and touch feel stuff. Oh, that okay. happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that, like, when you, people with an Apple Watch, if you get a text message or whatever, it'll like just it'll basically like little tap on your wrist. Yeah. So oh, so it doesn't even could, vibrate. You're saying like it? Well, like, it is like a vibrate, but it's just a one little tiny little bump. So it's the so it's it has a there's a whole or, yeah, and and you can even set it up to get like it'll give you different little touches depending on who it is. You know, mm-hmm. if it's your wife, it'll do one thing, and if it's your girlfriend, it'll do another thing. Um, oh, if you set it up that way, <laughs> <It's> important <laughs> clarification. <laughs> um, so oh, you, yeah. I mean, you cl- seems pretty clear that you could use, you could cheat uh, it, that way. In that all not be senses hard at all. of the word, right? At, at, in the outside, <laughs> yeah. In your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. So these people who brought their Apple watches, I mean, they should have been basically dismissed from the test, right? Yeah. You're not supposed to have any electronic stuff with you at all. The proctors, I think, would have been in their uh, in the right to kick them out of the test. I, we have heard of different proctors do different stuff, right? So sometimes the proctors will just let you leave your stuff with them. I've heard of yeah. like a pyramid of phones being placed at the front of the room hmm. where everybody, everybody gave their phone to the proctor. And then I've heard of other proctors that are like, absolutely not. You have to leave the room right now. You know, you're out of here. Yeah, well, LSAC's official policy is no not to collect them, and I think it's because they don't want to take responsibility for right. that, right? If a right. phone gets stolen, then they're feeling like they're on the hook, et cetera. Of course. Yeah. Hey, here's a question for you. Um, this just reflects how old I am, but of course, you know, when we took the test, uh, we didn't have Uber, um, didn't have, I don't, didn't have a smartphone, um, and yet everyone says today, like, hey, I can't take my phone to the test. Therefore, I can't get an Uber home from the test. Um, what was what is LSAT thinking? How can I possibly travel? You know, I need my phone. And I, I keep thinking to myself, well, I didn't have a phone. I, I don't know what <laughs> I did, but like it was <laughs> we survived. So what what do you usually tell people when they say that? Um, yeah, I, 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 that's, that's interesting. I mean, I did have, I took my test in 2007. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I definitely had a a cell phone. I I mean, I think I even had an 
an iPhone. I must have at that point, because I remember being like not able to play Angry Birds or whatever it was that I wanted to play. <laughs> um, Poor Nathan. Yeah, it was very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I'm used to having my little apps and games and podcasts and music and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I definitely remember. It also sucks because you can't bring a book or anything. So mm-hmm. I, I had to sit there in my, in the room for like, I got there early too. stupidly. I like went right into the testing room and they sat me. Yeah. And then it was like 45 minutes before the test started. Hmm. And I just sat there with nothing to read, no angry birds, mm-hmm. nothing to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, that, that kind of sucked. Meanwhile, there was a dude listening to his iPod sitting right next to me Yeah, <laughs> with the white headphones and everything, <laughs> just clueless. And the proctors didn't notice. Yeah. Um, well, it's such a new thing then. Um, yeah, it was, I tell people in 2007, so I tell people to, if they can drive, drive and leave the phone in the car. Yes. If not, um, get a caddy for the day, you know, get your mom or somebody who owes you a favor to come with you for the day and hold your shit for you. Mm. There's always that option. If Mm -hmm. you don't have, uh, if you don't have a car, if you're, if you're like public transportation only kind of a person, Mm. um, you know, I do, the people do take it with their phone. I, I would be able to turn my phone off, put it in my pocket and it's like no big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's technically illegal or whatever, not illegal. <laughs> it's a, against the LSAC You're rules. You're violating the law. Yeah. It might be worse than violating the law. It's violating <laughs> the LSAC um, overlords. But yeah, uh, really... I mean, I did my law school exams that way. I, I was, you were not allowed to do, I mean, now Hastings is also going to revoke my JD, but that's fine. I don't want it. Um, uh, I relinquish have it. it. Anybody wants my JD, they can have it. Um, you, hate Hastings had the policy like, yeah, you can't bring your cell phone into the room at all, you know, and mm-hmm. academic code of conduct, whatever, code of honor. Code I of was honor, like, dude. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Well, I was dishonorable. I mean, I turned my phone off and I put it in my pocket and I went and took my stupid exams. Yeah. I did that for every single one of my final exams at Hastings. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, revoke my JD. Good. I don't care. Um people could get away with that at the LSAT too. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. People do do that. But if you do go down that path, here are the mistakes that people make. One is that out of sheer habit, they get out their phone during the break. Good one. Yeah. Text people or they see what's happened. And it's just like, I've heard too many stories where people did that. And the proctor's like, Hey, thanks. Mm -hmm. Violation. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you're not stupid. And, um, yeah, another, th- another thing I've heard is, um, sometimes people will bring like a backpack or mm-hmm. a purse or something like that. And not allowed to do that. Not allowed to do that. Cause you can only have a gallon size Ziploc bag and then they'll put their phone in that. And unfortunately now you have this thing that you can't have in the test center. So they put it somewhere else and then someone finds it. And in some cases they say, Hey, look, (laughs) your bag was turned into the LSAC overlords, as you put it. And they have identified this bag is yours and this phone is yours. Therefore you have a violation. Now you have to go. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. So, hmm. 
it's uncivilized. The whole thing is uncivilized. <laughs> I mean, uncivilized. it's so dumb. Like <laughs> they really should yeah. just take the phones. I mean, I jeez, it's tough. I mean, if LSAC did that, I you know, they it I can see why they don't because of all the thousands and thousands of people who are taking the test, you're going to have some proctors who are like not making enough money today and decide to take a phone or are absent-minded and let a phone get stolen or whatever, which is kind of weird actually because now from what I understand, if you steal a phone, it's pretty much useless. Right, right. And so yeah, I don't know, but I, I just more wonder like how many would get stolen. There seems they like spill their some. coke on the on the bag of phones, or yeah, the phone gets gets cracked somehow while it's in the bag of phones. Or LSAC just doesn't want to take any responsibility for anything. Right? No, just they want you to, to take it. all responsibility. Yes, if the proctoring situation sucks, <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, but you can take the test again yeah. for 180 dollars. Yeah. You can kind of see, I mean, we've been getting, we've been going back and forth, Ben, with some emails that uh, we're not going to probably mention on the show, but there's been some, there's been some emails from people. These, our students, um, they love to complain about the test. Mm -hmm. They love to complain about the conditions. They love to complain about the proctors. They love to complain about everything about the day of the test. Yeah. So I can kind of see why LSAC has become the way they've become when they're doing business with a bunch of future lawyers. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, they they are going to, I, I mean, how many complaints do you think they get every single time they oh, administer the yeah. test? Yeah, and it, I'm sure they range from like, you know, just the most silly complaints ever to some pretty serious ones, but they've got to get. And and also people there there's it's probably varying levels of like threat that are that are incoming oh, right where because sure. some of them are going to be like legal looking whether so some of them are going to they're probably get they probably, they probably hired get their letters parents from law firms yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> hired a, law, a lawyer or they are lawyers and they've drafted some like formal complaint exactly from some big wig law firm coming to lsac and exactly. they're like roll their eyes like, here we go again sorry no bye for them it's just part of doing business i mean they probably get sued 20 times every year and it's just like yep well that's what you get when you do business with a bunch of lawyers um wow <laughs> okay uh you, where were we uh, i don't know but did you know that the fees did get raised recently and now it's 180 dollars? i just thought that was a little um poetic yeah 180 yep, yep. that's right i knew that yep. <laughs> anyways uh so uh, I, I don't know where was it that was no, that was item number one thank you nick uh <laughs> item Apple number Watch. two yeah, yeah. uh-huh if the custodians forget to clean the sticky desks, yuck! Uh, proctors will clean them with Clorox wipes for you. Okay, cool. That's yeah. Don't expect that service. Yeah. at most of the <laughs> testing centers. That's just something in Tennessee. Yeah. Plus, most places don't have sticky desks. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, hopefully not. If there are two native English speakers uh, speaking proctors and one non-native English speaking proctor, the non-native shall read all of the instructions in order to cause the <laughs> most confusion. Jesus. Okay. Well, you know, I'm hoping that by this time, though, that the LSAC like instructions are not necessary, right? Like, you should. The only thing you need is help bubbling in like the the test form number and all that stuff. That's yeah. the only possibly tricky part. The name, but I do remember else. people struggling with that at my test as well. Mm-hmm. 
Because it was like a four-digit test number, and then there were like nine digits on the, <laughs> the space for that, you know, of course. So, yeah. Anyway, next item. Listening to the frat guys talk about how hard they've studied all summer and how awesome they feel about their exam or the exam that they're about to take um, is, and it is going to lead to a large buildup of anxiety. That is until you hear that they're trying for a 150 and feel immediate <coughs> relief about your own ability in studying. Yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's a that that's a funny funny general principle. The like the louder people are talking about it, the more the more they're talking about how how awesome they're doing, it kind of increases the chances that they're that they're doing pretty shitty. Yeah, no, it's very true. I've noticed that um there are exceptions, of course, but in class, right. the better people do, the, the more mum they are about, you know, their score and talking to their neighbor about what's going on. And they just don't want people to feel bad because they know they're doing well. Yeah. Well, you also get the the real lawyers in the room who are scoring 170 and, you know, they are worried that that's not high enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of justifiably, right? Yeah. That, that, that they're like, well, shit, you know, but I really want to go to a really great school and I really don't want to pay for it. And 170, you know, might not quite cut it with my grades. I might be able to get in, but I'll have to pay all this money. And uh, they're and they're like making a much more savvy, you know, decision. And they, even though they're, you know, already at the 97th percentile, they realize that they want more. Yeah. The flip side of that, just to be um, balanced here, of course, is that uh, you have people who are scoring like mid one sixties and panicking, and you're like, "Wait a sec! I think you're you're not realizing how how well you can do with a one sixty five, yeah. you know, uh, especially in this environment." So, but yeah, panic never helps anything. I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not encouraging people to to panic, but yeah, it is funny how when you see people that are like happy with their 150 155 or whatever yeah um so then it says uh sadly the most pencils i saw with someone was a box of 24 <laughs> wow that's still a lot yeah uh we were asked if anyone was uh anyone here was from florida that had not con- what the heck we were asked if anyone was here from florida that had not contact contacted LSAC couldn't reach them due to hurricane problems. This was not an issue whatsoever. Proctors just needed to know so they could file a special paperwork. Wow, that's interesting. So in Tennessee, they were like, hey, did anyone here migrate from Florida? That's... Wow. (laughs) I wonder what LSAC was expecting. In any case, um, Nick says, I appreciate you guys. Nick... We appreciate you. Um, that makes me think about, uh, boy, the uh, the Spanish LSAT, which happens in Puerto Rico. That might not be happening anymore. I don't think anything's happening anymore there. <laughs> that is devastating. Dude, Man. it's crazy. The, did you see the path of, uh, what was the most recent one? Was it Miriam? Or no, Maria? Sorry. Um, no, I, ha- I have not, but I it, just, I do know that Puerto Rico is like the power is going to be out for months. Yeah, well, the this uh, I think it's I think the hurricane I think it's Hurricane Maria, but it, it went like if you could take it and choose a path over Puerto Rico that would be the most devastating, it was like that path. It's like the hurricane Perfectly just like 
like went straight across wow. the island slowly at a diagonal so it you know wow. stayed on the island longer i was looking at the path i'm like geez louise what did these people do you know why are they <laughs> why all this hell's rain upon them but i spent a, a month there um a while, but a couple of years ago, I, I took myself on a vacation and I spent a, a month traveling all the way around the island of Puerto Rico. Hmm. Um, but uh, wow, yeah, sounds like a bad situation. Yeah. Anyway, um, oh, you know what I thought of? I, I have one more PSA that I need to do. Okay. Uh, I have a student who um, was doing very well on her practice exams. She is an accommodated student who was scoring, you know, 170 plus. Yeah. Um, time and a half and scoring 170 plus. Okay. And texted me in a panic the day before the test because she had looked at her admission ticket and the admission ticket gave her special instructions that she was required to call the test center coordinator 48 hours in advance of the test or else she would not be allowed to take the test. Yeah, I've... I've heard of this before. This okay, is a thing. well, this was new to me, and we want to make sure that everybody out there knows that this is a thing. Um, you really, this goes for everybody, not just not just accommodated students. You need to read everything that they send you. You you, you got to look at your admission ticket when they send you emails. You got to take that shit seriously. It sucks because um, their emails d- are long and wordy, but <laughs> yeah. you got to And read also them. when they send the horrifying ones with the <laughs> <laughs> emergency all caps stuff. But, you know, the reason why they do that is because people don't read. Yeah. And so um, anyway, this student, um, it was like four o'clock on Friday. And now she all of a sudden realizes this, puts in a call to the proctor, no answer, puts in a call to LSAC, closed for business. Mm. Uh, the test is tomorrow. She's been studying for months and months. And now she is panicking that she's not going to be allowed to take the test. Uh, fortunately, with repeated phone calls, she was able to get through to the test center coordinator. Hmm. And they were able to accommodate her. But um, it said explicitly in the email that you know they send back those materials uh, if you're not going to take the test. Accommodated students, if you're not going to take the test, the proctor sends those materials back to LSAC. Um, you know, I'm probably some Brinks truck or something delivery, but, uh, yeah, make sure you, if you're listening to this and you got your test coming up, uh, make sure you have looked at your admission ticket and have all of that stuff sorted out in advance. You don't want the last minute panic. Yeah. So just to be clear, I think that specifically calling refers only to accommodated test takers, obviously. Right. If it says otherwise in your ticket and you don't have accommodations, call them. But that's the only time that I've heard about it. But I did have one student who uh, had accommodated testing. And part of um, her accommodation, I think, was she would have someone reading the test to her. I'm not sure um, if that's exactly right. But she showed up and she hadn't called. And so then the proctors there said, well, okay, well, we can go ahead and uh, administer the test for you, but uh, the person that would normally read the test to you on your behalf as part of your accommodation uh, is not here. So we'll just go ahead and have someone else do it. And apparently, this person was a non-native speaker, and so they wow. they struggled in terms of reading the test to. <laughs> 
um, my student. And then my student said that halfway through the test, she, she got up and she says, oh, I'm sorry, I have to get going. But it wasn't even like at the end of a section. It was in the middle of a section. She's like, I'm sorry, I, I need to get going. Wow. So she left and then they said they got someone else and that person struggled reading as well. I mean, it was a little better apparently. But uh, And so she was really frustrated about this situation. And I don't actually now that the facts are blurring in my mind, but I, I feel like there was this excuse by LSAC saying, Hey, look, um, I'm sorry it didn't work out for you, but you didn't call us. And that was their like fallback thing. So I, I think that's what they said. Whether that's actually exactly what happened, I think that was part of the dispute is maybe she said she did call, but in any case, they said we we weren't obligated to provide you with all your accommodations because you didn't call us. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's got to be difficult for them to to do all these, especially now that everybody's getting different accommodations. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be hard. So I, I I can understand why they would have that restriction or that, yeah. that requirement. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you're getting special accommodations, you really need to look carefully at all of that paperwork and make sure you got all your ducks lined up. Yep. Okay. Um, <clears throat> next email. You want me to read it? Or you got it? Um, is it my turn? It's my turn. Hi, Ben and Nathan. If you read this on the show, please don't use my name. I just completed the September LSAT. Hooray! And overall, it was a positive experience. Thanks to your advice on the show, I felt calm and confident leading up to the exam. Another test taker even commented on how zen I seemed while we were waiting in line for the restroom before checking in. I definitely wouldn't have been as composed without the advice the two of you give. That's nice. I received so many emails from various law schools this week with their, quote, tips for taking the exam. Many of them ended up being turds of wisdom, like this one from Concordia University. Tip number 11, manage your time. You get 35 minutes to complete each multiple choice section. To answer all questions, as many as 27, you need to keep your number two pencil moving. So don't spend too much time on any one question or you won't have time to complete them all. Oh my gosh, this is bad in so many levels. Yeah, amazing. Well, first uh, of all, they're telling this person to keep their pencil moving, which suggests that not only do you have to move quickly through these questions and not pay attention to what they're saying, sounds like you need to be underlining the whole time. Underlining everything, yeah, totally. Yep. Um, so that is definitely, managing your time is definitely a turd of wisdom, and trying to finish the whole section is also a turd of wisdom. Um, even the proctor before the exam was encouraging test takers to keep up with the clock. Terrible advice all around. That's that's such great news though. You know, like if you go into the test and you know, otherwise you're like, great, keep telling them, spread the word. (laughs) That's how I am too. I, anything that is going to mess up everybody else, I draw (laughs) power from that. I mean, when I'm taking the test, I that that is that is how I feel about it, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, everybody else is going to crash and burn, but not me. So yeah, you guys definitely make sure you manage the clock. You know, hurry up, mm-hmm. get get moving. I'll just be here calmly answering them all correctly. Um, with the help of your strategies, reading comprehension went from being my worst section to my best, and my logical reasoning skills improved a lot. I found myself engaged with the readings and the LR problems and genuinely enjoyed the process of figuring out the answers. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it, Ben? It does. Yeah. That's, it, it's fun if you're doing it right. I mean, mm-hmm. 
if you if you're actually engaged, then it's a problem to solve. It's a it's a little puzzle to solve, and it's satisfying. If you're doing it right, I think it's it's satisfying. So that sounds great. Yeah. Um, due to my husband attending a graduate school program in our city, I essentially have one viable law school option because the next closest school is an hour away. From meeting with several admissions staff members, I found I found out that with my GPA. A score of 161 would lead to a full ride. So as a thank you, I will donate $10 to your podcast for every point I get over 161. My practice scores ranged from 165 to 171. So unless I performed significantly worse today, I should be sending you something. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for the entertainment and advice. P.S. I signed up for a law school application informational webinar through my alma mater a while ago. It wasn't advertised as being affiliated with Kaplan, but apparently it was. I took the opportunity to spread the word about your podcast by sending a chat to the other webinar participants. Sweet. Thank you. That is amazing. Yes, yeah. that, that is awesome. I love that. Please don't use my name. Uh, I changed it to Agent J. <laughs> I love that we have an army out there, Ben. I love that. I love that we've got the uh, guerrilla warfare going on. We yeah. we can't. We don't have the big guns to compete with uh, the Kaplans of the world, but we got an audience that's out there uh, helping us to spread the word. Yeah, thank you, Agent J. Yeah. Agent, Agent J. That's very apt. Agent J. That's right. Okay. Um. Next one. Yeah. So this is from one of your student students. Oh yeah. Hey, I think I totally killed it today. I found the kid in the room with the most writing utensils, 30 pencils and six highlighters. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, one highlighter is too many. What the heck are you going to do with six? You're like, oh, well, this is a... Different colors, dude. Yeah, this is a primus, so I'm going to make that pink. Right. (laughs) At one point, they rolled out, they rolled all over the ground... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I thought he was going to have a psych- psychotic break. So definitely more tranquil than that guy. Well, good. Overall, felt super good about it. Now we wait until grade A. <laughs> 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 Naomi did not say that. Sorry, I just had no. to add that. Thank you, Naomi. That's awesome. And you're one yeah. of Nathan's tutoring students, so you received the most valuable instruction ever <laughs> i was for sorry that was, did not come out right what <laughs> what i was trying i thought she said something like interesting about these utensils but she just said most writing utensils so in any yeah, case, well, i was trying to quote that but that failed so. but you are no. you got the best advice you could get out there so that's good thanks ben yeah um yeah, I I do love this trick though of looking for see who has the most pencils. That's a very nice way to uh, try to remain calm by yeah. uh, noticing how nervous everybody else is. Um, ben, how if someone wants to do one on one tutoring with you, how do they go about that? Uh, the easiest thing is probably just to email me at ben at strategyprep dot com. You can also just go to strategyprep dot com and then click on tutoring. And you'll see a way to sign up there as well. Okay, cool. And you're accepting new students throughout the year? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times okay. it's just a matter of coordinating scheduling. But if you have some flexibility, then we can make it work. Okay, cool. Yeah, same same deal here. Um, my students schedule themselves online 
and you can do that through my website. You can also uh, email me, Nathan, at foxlsat.com, and uh, we will get you sorted out. Yeah. All right. Next email. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Quick story for you both that I thought you might find funny. I took the LSAT this Saturday and listened to your pre-LSAT last-minute tip episode on the way to the testing center and while waiting in the parking lot. Long story short, I was the maid of honor in my sister's wedding the same day. Wow. I went straight from the testing center to hair and makeup and then on to pictures and the ceremony. As soon as you started telling the story about the girl who was having a dinner party that night, I knew I was going to be in for a rough day. Everything turned out well, though. However, definitely not something I would ever do again or recommend for anyone. Thanks for all you guys do, Sammy. Yeah, that's yeah. a good good reminder. So thanks, Sammy. Yeah, put put the test dates, you know, if you're especially like if you're at the beginning of your process right now, you should look at the LSAC calendar, um, put December 2nd on your calendar because that's the next test, but then also put the February, June, September dates on your calendar and just try to protect those days. Um, you know, your sister, hopefully she doesn't have to schedule <laughs> her wedding on the same day. If she wants you to be maid of honor, maybe your sister could schedule her wedding for a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, LSAT's only offered four times a year. So yeah, cause these kinds of situations, um, these, these suck. Hey, Oh, here's another story. Uh, another accommodated student, and she was flying to New Jersey, something like that, to go to a wedding okay. on a Sunday. And she was taking the LSAT on Saturday. Mm. So she was going to have to take it out there. So she flew out there, um, or the plan, she's from LA, but she was going to go take it uh, in New Jersey or somewhere like that. And the, she's an accommodated student and the LSAC, uh, like within the last few days before the test sent her an email informing her that her test date had been changed from Saturday to Sunday. That is so strange. Yeah. Uh, and it changed so that it conflicted with the wedding. Yeah. And she really didn't have any choice. I mean, she, she basically had to miss the ceremony. She still was able to show up and, you know, party and stuff after, but, uh, because she was getting these accommodations and because they were just not able to accommodate her on the scheduled day, they let her know like at the last minute and forced her to switch days. Huh? So, uh, she also was like repeatedly calling the LSAC, um, uh, and not, they gave her that she got like a whole bunch of form responses from them. Um, and it took days for her to sort that all out. Um, I guess, you know, for the accommodated students, you just need to understand that it is difficult for them to do these accommodations and, um, they might have, you know, it might be difficult. You're yeah. not taking the test alongside everybody else. You're, you are getting special accommodations. And so it, I don't know. You're going to have to be a little bit flexible about that. I think. Yeah. Some chance that LSAC is doing this on purpose. Dragging Uh, their feet a little bit with accommodated students. Maybe as a, as a sort of disgruntled, uh, retaliation against the night circuit. We don't like that we lost our lawsuit. (laughs) So we're going to give a little subtle F you to the accommodated students. 
Uh, it's possible. Yeah. I Not likely. Not likely, but yeah. I think it's more a result of, oh, I don't want to say this. I was, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say uh, incompetence, but that's a strong word. I think it's just <laughs> like, I don't know, just a big organization, you know? They and are a just, big behemoth. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they are getting rich, so, you know. Yeah. Next one? Yeah, so this one says, please don't use my name. Hi, Nathan and Ben. Love the podcast and the value you all bring to listeners! Exclamation point. Thanks. With about three months before taking the December LSAT, I am wondering how to triage my study time and structure. Having followed a four-month power score self-study plan, I've essentially exhausted all of my materials and should probably shift to a predominantly test and review schedule for the last three months. Uh, how about a 35-minute and review schedule? 35-minute yeah. section and review schedule for the last three months. That would be good. Which is what you should have been doing for the last four months anyway, but okay. Yeah. As you all probably know, my You all? Score. That's so weird. Why not just go with y'all there? I like y'all. Okay. I don't like I don't like as you all probably know. You could just put as you probably know. As you probably you, know. You all. You y'all. can already be plural, right? Yeah. As you probably know, that would be fine. As you all probably know is is weird. It's like they wanted to say y'all, but then they thought that was not appropriate, so they changed it to you all. I don't know. Yeah, I think it depends on where you're from. I feel like I've heard you all a, a decent amount. This is the second time. This is a, It was in the first sentence, too. Yeah. Well, every single one of us here knows. As y'all... <laughs> we all know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no. sorry. It's okay. This is, why, now, this is why people, when they write in, they, they have these, like, you know, these opening sentences. Please don't destroy my email. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I want them thinking about it. Yeah, they should. Yes. As y'all probably know, my parentheses, power score, materials, use questions from the first pr- 20 prep tests for their lessons and homework. Okay. That's interesting. I actually did not know that. That's Those questions like- are cheaper. And they probably wrote those. I mean, PowerScore has been around for forever. So yeah. they wrote those materials a long time ago and they're just still using them. And it is cheaper to license those 20 prep tests than it is to license the most recent ones. So that's uh, probably a contributing factor. So should we call on David to update his materials? He's too busy tweeting about Gray Day. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> he does. He always is tweeting about Gray Day. <laughs> I never met him. He seems like a nice guy. He does I, seem I do. like a nice guy. But I David, wish you wouldn't on. tweet about Gray Day. Yeah. First 20 prep tests? I mean, look, even that's if that's actually true, if it is tests 1 through 20, that's that's not good. I mean, LSAC was even contemplating discontinuing licensing prep tests mm. 1 through 19 or 17, I believe, mm. due to um, lower standards or standards that they did not have it in place when they wrote those initial questions. So I can't hate on them too much, though, for continuing to use those explanations. I mean, it's like, yeah, sure, including some newer stuff does seem sensible. But when you write a book, uh, it is tempting to just continue selling that book forever. Yeah. I, uh, I understand that. Yeah. 
would taking oh i just had a thought it's almost like trump it's like you got to get off twitter and get to work but <laughs> in any case sorry dave would working three to four of the first would taking three to four of the first 20 prep tests per week for the next two or three weeks as a way to review and shore up weaknesses be a bad idea yes we, we have 10 weeks. I don't know when this listener wrote in, but we at this point we have 10 weeks until the December LSAT. You should be focusing on the, the 10 to 20 at most <laughs> recent prep tests, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I was with a uh, student on Skype last night and she brought to me like prep test 46 or something. Yeah. And I was like, hey, is there a reason why you just did this test that's that old? And she said um, it was because she was worried about running out of the newer materials. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a turd from Seven Sage. I believe that's where people get that particular turd, is mm-hmm. that you're supposed to save all the recent tests like for mm-hmm. diagnostic value. Yeah. You don't need to save all those tests for diagnostic value. You need to expose yourself to those tests. You yeah. need to do those tests. Yeah. And so you really don't need to be worrying about saving stuff. Um, especially you need to do the most recent, like 10, you know? Yeah. You, you got to do the most recent 10 tests, especially the logic games, just so that you know you, you've seen, you know, the most recent kind of iteration of what they do. And there's, you can learn from these older tests, but it just, I wouldn't emphasize, especially the first 20. Jeez. Yeah. So basically, um, we'll call this person sincerely. Sincerely. Or heck, we'll call him David after Power Score. David. <laughs> yeah. Um, you need to move from the la- the first 20 tests to the last 20 tests. Yeah. And there's a whole range of tests in the middle there that you're just going to leap right over. Um Whenever people are doing uh, older tests in my classes or tutoring or whatever, it's because they're just doing like some of the hardest questions from those tests. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of like you just don't have time to go through all of that. Like, yeah, here's a really hard game from this old test. It's kind of challenging. If you're doing really well in games and you're looking for hard games, yeah, here, do this old game or maybe this this old section because it has a couple hard games in it. But uh, people just don't have time to go through all this if you haven't done the recent stuff. I don't actually have that much of a problem with people saving one or two tests um, that are recent. So if they end up taking the test again, they can take a test that's recent closer to the next as- administered test and you know feel what like take a test and be taking one that they haven't seen before, so they don't get like thrown off by that. But um, I wouldn't save more than one or two. So Yeah, even then, I feel like all you're going to do then is risk like making too much of that one data point when you do finally take that test. You're going to think that that one test is you know, the be-all, end-all indicator of your ability when we know that there's a lot of random variation that happens in people's scores. But it, yeah. back to this dude's question, or sincere, uh, sincerely slash David's uh, question here, the first 20... He's going to do the first 20, three to four per week, which already is a lot. Oh, yeah, that's way too many. And then 
I would then focus on taking two or three prep tests per week of the 20 most recent. Oh, the most recent. That's the most recent. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. So just skip ahead to that plan and knock it down to two tests. Right. One section per day. I love this one section per day, one on the weekend. That's two tests a week. That's, that's a ton of tests over 10 weeks. You've done 20 tests. That's huge. But it's not like I don't feel like it's unreasonable either. One wait, one section per day and one, and then one test full on the weekend, one full test on the weekend. So it's like okay, so that's going to be a total of two and a half tests a week. Well, no, because I I'm actually thinking there's going to be a couple days off. So you're basically oh. doing like one test on the weeknights over time, right? So four of the nights throughout the week or you know i'm take assuming friday off yeah take friday off take uh sunday off and saturday well and be- you need to review your your full test that's the problem you're gonna yeah, take I'm that sorry. full test on saturday and then probably review it on sunday yeah exactly so when i say take that time off i mean take it off from the 35 minute section so don't basically, do it don't do a time section that day yeah yeah so you, you're just doing four 35 minute sections throughout the week so that's one test and then on Saturday, you take a full-length test and then review it uh, some maybe a little bit later on Saturday or Sunday whenever you can have the time and energy to do it. But make yep. sure you review it. And so now you're, I mean, geez, you're getting two full tests once or every week. That's a lot of tests. I mean, I feel like that's more than anyone needs, but it's also totally doable. Yeah, and it's hopefully emphasizing quality, not quantity. I mean, in an hour, you should be able to do a 35-minute section and then thoroughly review the ones you missed of the ones you attempted because you just shouldn't be missing very many that you attempted. Yeah. Right? It's logical reasoning. You attempted 20 questions. You missed three of them. Okay. Dig into those three. You know, Give each one of those three 10 minutes worth of review. Yep. And then put it on a list for your study partner or your tutor or your teacher or whatever if you can't figure them out. Yeah. But that's one hour. That's a high quality one hour. Mm-hmm. And if you do that four days a week uh, plus a practice test on the weekend or just for other people, if you really just want to do one 35-minute section every day or six days a week or whatever, that's fine too. I, I'm not – it's – I don't know. People over – I think over-engineer it, don't they? Like think they, they strategize too much. Yeah. But uh, you don't need to be doing three or four tests a week. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. That's insane because people do that and then they just don't review. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't learn anything. Something's got to give and you don't want your review to give. No, that's the important part. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I don't want to hijack the email. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So would this be a bad idea? Yes. Go ahead and focus on the most recent 20. Any thoughts on this schedule? Yep. We just said. So background, Uh, I'm within the 160 to 165 range on my practice tests. I've taken one practice test per month, 151, 154, 160, 166, respectively. Thank you both for your time and consideration. I don't really have anything to say about that last thing except for um, this person has made progress. So yeah, that's great. congratulations. That's great. I mean, uh, that that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we have time for more? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Ben and Nathan. 
If you use this on the show, please refer to me as anonymous. I took the September 2017 ELSA and have a quick question. I know that I misbubbled the reading comprehension section because there were 27 questions and I did them all. But when I looked down after time was called, I saw that I only had 26 bubbled in. (laughs) Yeah. This is why we encourage students when they're doing their 35 minute sections to always do them with a bubble sheet. And be realistic about, you know, be serious about it. Um, if you didn't bubble in the bubble, you do not get a point. Yeah. And if you misbubbled your score sheet, you could miss them all. Um, I have no idea when I went off if it was in the first, middle, or last part of the section. Should I cancel my score or should I wait to see what I get? This would be my second time taking the test. And my PT score average was around 166. P.S. I have a 158 on record. Thanks, Anonymous. I did some analysis. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe I'll just read it. I, I, I emailed this out to the listener, but I th- or yeah, I think this would be good for the audience anyway. I, I said I don't think I would cancel. Um, here's what I here's how, the way I thought about it. I said, well, you might have started misbubbling on the very first question, or you might have started misbubbling at the very end. Uh, if we average that out, we say you misbubbled at exactly the halfway mark. Yeah. Uh, in that case, on the last half of the section, so that's 13 and a half questions, you might only have gotten the equivalent of random guessing. So that I thought that was an important part, that you're not going to do worse than random guessing, right? You still have a bubble bubbled in. Yeah. So you should get one out of five of those right, even if you misbubbled the score sheet. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, so for those 13 and a half questions, you still got two to three correct. Plus your normal performance on the first half of the section, which means that you're at now, if you add those up, you're at 15 and a half to 16 and a half questions of expected value. Okay. Combined with the other three sections, it still seems possible to score over the 158 that you have on record. And anyway, if it's a couple points lower, law schools just don't give a shit. Yeah. That's my analysis. What do you think? I think it's good. I, and I think it's highly unlikely that the misbubbling started uh, right early on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, it, I mean, it, it, and it's, yeah, it, right. It's more likely that it was at the very end. Yeah. But if, even if we do, even if we say it was halfway, I just, if you were averaging 166 and you have a 158 on record, I think you could beat that 158. You've got a chance to beat that 158. I wonder, I wonder if my bubbling technique prevents me from making this mistake. Because you bubble one page at a time? Yeah, well, actually, I bubble after every two pages. So in a reading comp section, right. it'd be after the passage is done. Right. Because... Uh, by bubbling them in all at the same time, I have to say to myself, like, you know, well, I, so I, te- I tend to sort of be like verifying, like, oh, okay, yeah. so I'm like, uh, let's I'm see bu- here, where did I start? Oh, 16, and I'm going over to yeah. 16. So if, if I'm off, then I'm going to know right then and there. Yeah, you got the two pages, you got the two facing pages, mm-hmm. and it's questions 16 through 20. Mm-hmm. And you, you've answered them all. You've circled your answer on the page. Yeah. And then now you're going to transfer those answers onto your bubble sheet and you look at it and you go, okay, I'm bubbling in 16 through 20 now. Yeah. And you go bubble in 16 through 20. And by the way, there should be a bubble for 15 <laughs> yeah. already. Yeah. And so then if you, you bubble in 16 through 20. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. People are just frantic. I think they're just they're they're trying to shave off five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to shave off five seconds ever. <laughs> it's an over overarching tip. <laughs> don't try to save five seconds. Yeah. Uh, but but do keep your pencil moving. <laughs> Make sure you finish the section. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Don't cancel. Generally, I've been telling people don't cancel. Um, you know, I think if there's any chance you scored higher than whatever you have on record, yeah, and that means if you don't have a score on record, yeah, then there's a guarantee that you scored higher than what you have on record. Yeah, I just don't understand why you would cancel your score. I I think law schools do not care about lower scores, mm-hmm. and I think. You know, people are always like, well, but I'm going to retake it in December anyway. So why should I muddy the waters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, because who knows what's going to happen in December. Yeah. And if you scored, if there's any chance that you scored higher, that's only going to help you. Mm-hmm. And even if you scored lower, I just don't think it hurts. So I, I, I just, and I mean, you know, the truth is, I think people cancel for emotional reasons. They, they, they know they didn't do their best and they just don't, they cringe and they don't want to see what the number is. So then they cancel. Yeah. I, I'm like a robot, I guess. I, I just, I would never cancel because I would, I would just say, Hey, there's some probability that I did better than I thought. Law schools don't care about lower scores. So I'm just going to let, you know, let it happen. Yeah. Get your test back, get to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And if you cancel, it's just such a big waste. Okay. Um, well, we got to do this last one because I teased it on the last show. Okay. It's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Thanks, yeah. dude. The long email. Oh, it's well, you can bad. skim it. No, I'll be <laughs> all right. All right. Subject, recovered alcoholic and bad GPA. Hello, mm. Ben and Nathan. I do not want to use my real name, so you can call me Shwarma. Is that how you say Shwarma. That? Shwarma. Sure. Delicious. <laughs> First, I want to thank you both for the ama- the amazing advice I have received through the podcast. You're welcome. I have just finished every episode in a little under one month. Yes, I'm crazy. Holy shit. That's three episodes a day. No, more, four episodes a day. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of time. <laughs> oh, my God. We're inside their brain. By the way... Shawarma, I like your use of the semicolon, but you need a comma after yes. Um, semicolons are hardly ever used these days. It's pretty cool when people use them right. I like them. My question relates to my personal statement and my extremely low GPA of three point two point three nine. I'm a recovered alcoholic addict who has been sober almost four years. I am active in Alcoholics Anonymous and continuously work a program of recovery which centers around helping others with their sobriety as well. As a crazy addict, I did copious amounts of drugs and drank nonstop throughout college. This led to a very low GPA. However, I did graduate. I would argue that my ability to waste so much time and still graduate college while extremely impaired speaks to my ability to multitask, persevere, and get things done under adverse conditions. Yeah, I um, wanted to make a point there. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I agree with you. I think you can make that argument. And I, I believe you 
that that it does speak uh, to your ability to, you know, multitask, persevere, blah, blah, blah. Also, never, ever make that point. Do not say that to yeah. schools. Just don't. You can make that point to me, and I believe you. Do not make that point. And at never at any point in your application do you want to say that to the schools. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, at least to me, it's it, and I, I, I'm guessing this is how the schools would interpret it. It just sounds like you're, I don't know, trying to pull something like a silver lining out of a bad situation and not really just <laughs> acknowledging that the, the, the elephant in the room, I guess. I don't know. You, you need to, well, you can go ahead and spin it in a positive way, but only like, here's what I learned from it. Mm-hmm. Not a, Hey, look how, look, I was able to graduate college while I was super fucked up. I look at what a badass I am. That's not the point that you want to be making yeah. to them. You need to be taking this, um, which I mean, it's clear here that shawarma has, uh, is taking this seriously mm-hmm. with four years of sobriety and, you know, continuously working the program and helping others and everything. I mean, congratulations on getting your, your shit sorted out. Um, but yeah, you, you, you don't want to ever strike that tone with the law schools. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shorma continues. My current LSAT scores are in the low 160s after a month of studying. Nice work. I scored a cold 153 a month ago, my first time taking the test, and my games are still my weak point. I expect to be able to score in the upper 160s by December, but I will need to figure out how to best explain my low GPA. My target schools are Kent, DePaul, and Loyola here in Chicago. My wife and I will not move from this area, so those are my only real options. I am going to need a nearly full scholarship as I work to as I want to work in public defense, and these schools are not the best in the country. I am 32 years old, and my degree was in psychology. Okay. Uh, well, big opportunity there if you're already in the 160s and you still suck at the games. Yeah. Um, big, you know, that's, that's a good candidate for improvement. I, I would think, uh, upper one sixties is definitely in reach. So I, I can understand why he's concerned about explaining his low GPA cause he's going to have to do that. But I think mm. the first step, the first way or the best way to explain your low GPA is to knock it out of the park with the LSAT. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's what he's trying to do, but like, in some ways getting too sidetracked about explaining the GPAs can be detrimental if it detracts from studying or anything like that's just what you should focus on 100% because the higher you can push that up, the more it's like, okay, your GPA was a function of your situation and you've got what it takes to excel here. So my main concern is how to explain my alcoholism and how schools will react being sober for four years. I assume they will, I assume um, there will be plenty of time to ease their minds about my oh will be plenty of time to ease their minds about my sobriety and my experience working with addicts who are nearly all involved with the legal system provides me fertile ground for discussing my reasons for entering the legal profession. It's hmm. one way to get experience. Also, given the incredible amount of alcoholism within the legal profession as well as in law schools, I could potentially be a source of help for those around me who are suffering from addiction. Um, hmm. my real interest in law actually began when I was helping a guy who was attending law school here in Chicago. What do you think about that? Um, 
Yeah, sure. Good. I mean, I, I think he's talking about his personal statement here, huh? Yeah. Um, we don't know exactly what he's going to write. It's kind of a little all over the place. You're going to have to decide how you're going to, what the hook is going to be here. Um, well, there's a lot of uh, alcoholism in the legal profession and yeah. in law school. I think focusing on the what what uh, what he's done to help others will be really good because it will help uh, the reviewers focus on who he is now as opposed yeah. to who he was. And so um, you want to build up that credibility that uh, who you are now is really solid, right? Like I am sober, but I'm not just telling you that look, you can see that as you imagine these different things I'm doing to not only help myself, but to help others and to familiarize myself with the legal profession. Uh, Another concern I have is with hiring after law school as I am currently a truck driver and have been since graduating college. I do work for my father's company and I am involved in helping to run the business. So I have a lot of good experience, but I am concerned how this less than glamorous career will be viewed after graduating. I don't I don't think anyone's going to care about what you did before law school. I think they're going to care about your law school and what grades you got. Yeah. And there's so many people who go straight to law school from undergrad and never had a job in their entire life. So being a truck driver is better than having no job ever. And yeah, no one, I don't think anyone ever is like, Oh wow. Look at what you're, look at this job you did before law school. We really want to hire you now as a lawyer. Yeah. Plus I don't, yeah. If I mean, if you put it on your resume, you worked at your father's company, and if you did many things, that means you could have many titles. So choose the title that is accurate but best fits something that you want to talk about when you're yeah. getting interviewed. Yeah, it's not going to matter. Law school is law school, and you, you're it's like you're going to Wizard Academy. And, <laughs> you know what you did before Wizard Academy is not really that important. Yeah. I think uh, in terms of explaining uh, his low GPA, I would suggest just stick to the facts and keep it really short. Uh, I, I was, you know, I was an addict and um, I struggled with that. But since then, I have been sober for four years and this is what I've been doing, period. And and then maybe talk about that in your personal statement. In other words, in your personal statement, it's really where you elaborate on what you've been doing since to show that you have made progress and they're, they're not taking on a liability. They're taking on an asset. Right. Yeah. You need to position yourself as a diamond in the rough here, right? Like look at my awesome LSAT score. Yeah. You know, do you see that 169? That indicates that I have the horsepower Mm -hmm. and yep. I also have this 2.3, but that was a different me. That was, that was not the person I am today. This is actually, I think, another reason why you don't want to talk about how you must have this great ability to multitask and persevere because it just shines more light on that time in your life. You just want to say, look, this was a shitty time in my life. I had this problem. You know, it's it's a it's a disease and I had it and now I'm over it. So let's talk about the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talk about my work that I've been doing and I'm passionate about helping these people get over the disease and I know how devastating it can be. And, you know, I here's what I learned from it. All that is great. Yeah. But, uh, the second you say even one tiny thing about, uh, 
you know, speaks to my ability to multitask or something. It's like, I, I just, the I could, boy, <laughs> that's going to like really undermine the point you're trying to make. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Are we, uh, thank you both again for the great podcast and help. Shawarma. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Shawarma. Uh, good luck. The, you can, you can explain it all you want, but they're not going to be interested in the explanation until you show them the really big LSAT score. Yeah. When, when you give them the really big LSAT score, then they have a reason to want to believe you. Um, they are, when they see that 2.3, they're looking to deny you. And if you show them the 2.3 and a 160, they're like, yeah, we got other people, you know, we got better candidates, Yeah. but they just don't have very many high 160s. And if you can, Get, you definitely get yourself in the conversation with that high 160s and then you can get them to believe uh, this story of transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. I have to run. So let's wrap it up there. Sure. Uh, you can email the show help at thinking LSAT.com. You can email Ben directly, Ben at strategy prep.com. You can email me directly, Nathan at Fox LSAT.com. You can go to strategyprep.com if you want to learn all about Ben's uh, live classes, tutoring, online class. Same thing with me. You go to foxlsat.com. I've got all of that same stuff. We are in business. Please don't take a local bullshit, crappy LSAT class. Please do business with us. We want to help you. Um, anything else, Ben? No. I agree 100%. Okay. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, we will be back uh, next time. Thanks. Yeah.